Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, I hope you had a good morning, because if you had a late night like myself, this morning was really, really, really tough. And it was tough for a lot of reasons, and we'll get into all that in just a minute. This is Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Trace Fowler. And this is a cast of characters around me that are going to help carry the show. It is also presented by United Dairy Farmers, and it comes your way every day from 10 to 12. And I'm doing my best to keep myself in high spirits today. I am. I'm keeping myself uh, in, in a position where if I could just get through the day and the Reds can win one baseball game, I think my spirits will be back. But until then... I got to be honest with you, I'm down pretty bad. If you want to listen to this show, you can listen to it in podcast form on all the major platforms, Google, Spotify, Apple, and I guess there's more. And if you watch them on other platforms, kudos to you because you've found a place that I've never been. <laughs> Speaking of places we've never been, um, the Cincinnati Reds are in a position right now that, quite frankly, they are on death's doorsteps when it comes to this season. That is 2023. Fortunately, however, we have some things to discuss uh, because there's other opportunities in this city to watch sports. The Bengals, they made roster cuts. We'll get into that. FC Cincinnati plays tonight. We got a long segment on that. But without further ado, we'll get to it. Uh, how we're going to do this show for two hours is beyond me. I'm not sure. The Reds have beaten me down so bad, I'm not sure what else there is to talk about. The Bengals are about to start playing meaningful games. I get it. Roster cuts are obviously important. Um, but at this very moment, I don't want to sound like a broken record. But it seems like we're going to talk about the same thing, about the same thing, about the same thing with the Cincinnati Reds. They can't score runs. They can't hit. Their offense is abysmal. Thankfully, thankfully, the Lord may have saved us. The angels have come. They dropped half of the roster. We'll get into the waiver wire, how it works, where we stand. Is there any chance? Is there any hope? I'd like to think so. Chat, we're going to need you today. Reed, Elliot. Casey, we're going to need all of you. I'm going to need all of you, more importantly. It's going to be a great day. I'm running on fumes, boys. I'm talking minimal sleep. Hey, it's all right, though. You look great. You look <laughs> great. It's the Pawnee water. I guarantee it. Is. You, two things that you need to look great. You, you need sleep and you need hydration, and that's where Pawnee water, it can't put you to bed, but it will keep you hydrated. Well, it's, all, it's, it's, the, it's the old one-two punch, you know. The old, uh, some people think it's the straight jab. Followed by the uppercut, no. It's the United Dairy Farmers Coffee and the Pawnee Water. That, that little concoction, that'll get you going in the morning. That'll make it right. Yeah. yeah I do yeah, feel like going. the Reds, though. I feel like I was stuck last night on the tarmac for eight hours. Couldn't go to sleep. Um, that's partly because they don't end these games till like, 1 a.m. And then, uh, then you decompress at night, and you're just like, uh, by the time you get to bed, you realize you got a show to do in about four hours. And uh, here we are. So, Reed... Uh, I'm sure there's some bits available. I'm sure there's something there. 
Um, I'm waiting for Elliot to pull the old troll bridge. Where are we starting, Reed? No, I'm I got to wait for him to crawl out. I'm not going to beat you guys down. I'm not going to beat you down. It was a tough night. I know you guys are down. You don't need anybody beating a dead horse. I'm just going to let you lie. I'm like, it was a bad night. It was a bad night. Luckily, luckily for you guys, it was just one night. It, it's not like you guys have been hitting this way for the past month and a half or two months. It's just been one night. It was just last night. I'm sure things will turn around. They always have for the Cincinnati Reds, at least in our in our lifetime. If They've they, always seemed a way to turn it around. If they, I mean, <laughs> do 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 do. There he is, right from under the <laughs> right from under the bridge. Uh, no, I, if they win the night, they're five and five on the road trip, right? Is that right? Yeah, somehow, some way. So, okay. It's because one, we're all the way back. It's because some team <laughs> that they played on this road trip had maybe the worst month in professional sports history they played. But hey, you're right. Five and five on a road trip if they win today. Five and five on a road trip. Listen, the Angels had all those players when we played them. That's a fact. The Reds had to go into LA with half their roster still available to them, and the Angels didn't use them properly. There were a lot of good guys there. But the Reds got the better of them in three games. They swept them. Uh, I listen. I, I, I there, again. Trace already said it. There's not much to say. Last night I was watching the game. I turned it off in I think the fourth. Uh, I forget who misplayed a ball. I think it was Tyler Stevenson misplayed another ball. He ran into somebody or something. <laughs> no, it, you're you're thinking about the pop up where yeah. Tyler Stevenson. It was it wasn't Tyler Stevenson's ball. Christian Carnacion Strand uh, must have not read a book and didn't know that there was something called infield drift as an infielder, uh, because for those that don't know, when they do hit a pop up that's relatively high in the infield, yeah, uh, you know most people know this, but maybe not all do. Maybe some folks down there in the Reds organization could could cue the guys up. But when the ball goes up in the air, it's going to have a tendency to come back down and fade towards the pitcher's mound, towards the infield. Hence the infield drift. Um, for whatever reason, Christian Encarnacion Strand came sprinting in. Uh, he must have thought it was like one row deep in the stands when it really wasn't. He also looked down to see where Tyler Stevenson was instead of just screaming that he has it, keep his eye on the ball, realizing it's going to come back to the pitcher's mound, and then he dropped it. But that's here nor there. I wasn't overanalyzing. I wasn't thinking about that last night, just thinking yeah. to myself, what in the world is going on? It's just a small mistake. It's, it happens every day yeah, in the big leagues. It's a small leagues. mistake. It's, I, don't, I don't blame anybody, even though it's their fault. But listen, I, I think you look, you look back at, at this season, what, all the good things that have happened, and I'm, I'm, I'm really having a hard time right now because the Reds have dampened everything. They have given me. They've given me all the hope in the world. I was so excited, and now they're just a dead team. They're just uncompetitive. It's not competitive at, at the plate right now. It's not. Ellie's not. Nobody is. Last night they got no hit. So it's not One great. Hit. They got no hit. One hit. He was at 135 pitches. Alex Cobb had given his soul. He was out of juice. Uh, if he had, if he had 10 less pitches, he would he would have had a no hit. So the Reds again, just not competitive. It's not fun right now. But again. Not season's not dead. Correct. Season is not two and a half back now. Is that right? Two and a half back from the wild card. The the division. Well, the I, I, well, I don't even want to talk about the division. The division. Well, it's over. funny. I, I told these guys before the show on Betfred the Reds have better odds to win the National League pennant at this point than they do to win the National League Central, and that's just because they're eight games back, and it seems seems unlikely that that's going to happen. So yeah, that's that's dead. But the good thing the good thing is, guys, the good thing is is you still got five meaningful baseball games this week. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take out the tamp and, and pat down the mound. That is. That is the the beat down Reds fans right now because there's still a four game series this weekend and it's an important four game series. Is it the is it the Reds' last important series this year? 
It is if they can't win baseball games in the next five days. <laughs> yes, so of course true. it is. Uh, that's 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 the problem right now. Uh, there would be meaningful baseball games to be played for the rest of the year if they could just they could just continue to play 500 baseball. I really do believe that the wild card is not going to be like one that's going to be un, unsurmountable. You're not going to be able to possibly catch anybody. Uh, 80, 85 wins, 85 wins get you into the postseason. Yeah, uh, not unobtainable. Not unobtainable, even where the Reds are at right now. The only main issue with the Reds, as we all know, is is they just don't have the same team they used to have. If Jonathan Indy was out there, and Jake Fraley was out there, and Matt McLean was out there, okay, I wouldn't be all that overly concerned. But no, they are not out there. We got guys like Nick Senzel, Nick Martini, although he's been unbelievable. Shout out Nick Martini, TJ Hopkins. Stuart Fairchild. It's it's Stuart tough. Fairchild. It's yeah, tough I mean it's that fair. It's Henry tough. Henry Ramos for a minute. Tyler Stevenson's not been all that good. Christian Carnacion Strand's not been that good. TJ Friedel's starting to starting to worry me. TJ Friedel's starting to worry me a little bit. Some of these rookies are starting to look like rookies. Uh, I still believe in Spencer Steer. He looks too good for me. Every time he gets up to the plate, I just think, okay, he's gonna hit a ball hard. He looks like he has a pretty good approach more times than not. Uh, we need Will Benson to come back. And by come back, hopefully not come back down to earth, but just come back to what it used to be, which was great there for about a two-and-a-half-month stretch. Um, that's what it takes. What, what, can they do it? I don't know. That's the problem with, uh, with this Reds team right now is you have no clue about anything. Maybe that's fun to you. Maybe it's not. Are you a person that likes surprises? Would you appreciate if your significant other just you walked right through the door and 20 of your, your, your closest friends and family are waiting for you for a birthday party that you thought you were just going to come home and relax to? Do you like that or do you not? Because if you like that, then this Reds team should excite you. If you're the type of person that opens the door and is like, ah, oh, kid show, I really just wanted to go hang out and just relax and now I got to entertain and act like I want to be around all these people. If you're that type of person, then you probably don't like the Reds. Um, most people don't like change. They don't like change. They don't like the, uh, the, the feeling of uneasiness. Um, speaking of which, are you a spontaneity type of person? Do you like surprises? I'm a, I'm a surprise guy. I like, I like, I like I love surprises. I love to be surprised. I, I was never more surprised than when Trace decided to take us to Kings Island. That was a great surprise. I, I think now granted, I do like to come home and not have a party. I hate parties at my house because it's just a lot of work and a lot of things to do there. Uh, but I, I think if you, it's just a general surprise, somebody br brings me a gift of some sort, maybe they bring lunch. Love it. I love it. Yeah. I, I, I like spontaneity. I like doing things on the whim. I do not like mingling. So the whole thing of, of having a party in your name, not a whole lot of fun to me. I don't like having to go around and, and do small talk with a bunch of people that I don't care to talk to about eight, eight, 10 people that I really enjoy talking to. I'll talk to until six in the morning if I have to, but the other 40 people that might be at this said party, ah, I don't care. You could go do your own thing. I'll go sit off in the corner. All right. Other news to note, uh, Tom, uh, Tom Brenneman, I, I see in the chat some folks still asking where he's at. I know that, uh, listen, Tom Brenneman, we're hoping he's back as soon as possible. Uh, the good news is, is that he had successful surgery. That is the good news. Uh, now it's just a matter of, of, of when uh, the, the vocal cords heal, his voice is back, and he's able to join us. Uh, he's going to probably do some hits, hopefully uh, probably within the next two to three weeks. Uh, so he won't be on the show full time, but he'll, he'll, he'll call in and, and we'll obviously bring him on and get his opinions and his, his thoughts on, on all the different topics that will be Cincinnati sports and sports as a whole. 
Um, and then hopefully the timeline for him to come back full strength will be right around uh, a month and a half, two months, and uh, we'll be back better than ever. We'll see what the show looks like going forward once he comes back. But again, as a reminder, we do plan to just tear this place apart here in the next week or so. If, uh, if I put my hand in the air and tell you the honest truth, I thought I made and I thought I placed the order uh, mm -hmm. last Friday. Uh, I realized yesterday that the order wasn't placed for all of these new said things that we're going to utilize. And I made the order yesterday. So we're about four days behind what I originally thought we were going to be able to do. Uh, but maybe that's just uh, the blessing in disguise because the bash on short vine, don't know if you heard about it, um, is this Saturday. And that is going to start at uh, 12, 12 o'clock noon. 12 o'clock noon. Runs till about 8 o'clock. No band. Um, <laughs> no band. And uh, definitely still not Dora. All right. Uh, the waiver wire. Uh, for those that aren't familiar with this, you're probably not familiar with it like me because this rarely ever happens. Have you ever seen a team go all in at the trade deadline? Have you ever seen a team botch the trade deadline as bad as these guys? And this is where you need to be careful when you make judgments right off the rip. You know, you've seen the draft grades. You've seen when something happens that you're really not going to know the answer to until at least two, three, maybe years out. I get it. You got to get clicks. We did this on the last show. You got to get clicks. You got to get try to people to be engaged. You got to have something to write about. Is there anything more useless than mock drafts a year in advance? Draft grades right after the draft. And maybe this one takes the cake. Casey has the trade deadline grades from this past season. Casey, go ahead and show them. Who got an A? Oh, that's right. The Angels. Shout out CBS. Let's read it out loud for everybody to hear in podcast form. The Angels. Once the Angels decided to keep Shohei Otani, they went into buy mode. That approach rattled them. Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, CJ Crone, Randall Grinchuk, and Dominic Leone. The Angels' capacity to upscale was limited by a weak farm system, but we think they did about as well as they could have been reasonably expected to patch over some, t some holes on their roster. And when Ohio, uh, when Otani, what the hell am I trying to read? If and when Otani leaves, they'll need to reset anyway, so why not take their chances? Well, I'll tell you why. <laughs> you could have gotten a haul back for Otani. You could have just taken somebody to the cleaners. But, oh, you didn't want to be the owner that traded the best baseball player ever. That's a really good way to run a business. That's a really good way to run a franchise. Remember all the people that just begged and pleaded for the Reds to be able to go out and get this guy and that guy and this guy and that guy. You know who wasn't at the trade deadline looking for a bunch of people? And by a bunch of people, I'm talking three, four people. The Dodgers. The, Dodgers. the Braves. The Dodgers. Orioles. Dodgers made a bunch of moves. A bunch of moves that were important. I mean, they Because they had... went and got Lance Lynn. Oh, <laughs> the Dodgers are back. I want to know if, I want to know if the Dodgers are going to use anyone that's even relatively significant when they play in the NLCS. We'll see. My guess is they won't. 
Because you either have a good baseball team or you don't. That's the real part of the trade deadline. Can you fill some holes? Sure you can. I'm not being naive. Yeah, you can add somebody that can help you down the stretch. But when you're starting to think about trying to add four and five guys to the roster that you think that, are, that you need, it's probably, it probably means you just don't have a very good team. The Angels, let's walk back through what they just did. They went out and traded, and they got all these guys. Now, some of them was just strictly money. I get that. They turn around. They don't, they don't trade the best baseball player uh, in the game. And at the time, he was the most coveted prospect there probably ever has been at the trade deadline. He, they would have gotten something unbelievable in return for him. Oh, by the way, do I remind you, they could have just gone out and spent more money, obviously, in the offseason and theoretically gotten Shohei back. What a move that would have been. They could have went and just had a meeting with Shohei and the agent and just said, listen, this year we don't think that we're going to probably be able to win, but we're committed to winning. We're going to try to sign you long-term as soon as the season's over. And this is the plan going forward. This is the big picture plan. We want you to be a part of it. You've been an angel. We want you to continue to be an angel. But for now, in the next three months, you're going to have to play for somebody else. They could have done that. They didn't do that. But they dropped half the roster. The, the Angels right now, I think, you, I, we were talking about it yesterday a little bit. I think it was Sean, Reed, and I were looking at teams with, like, the least amount of – or the, with the worst win differential since, like, 1998, since the, since the MLB got to 30 teams, uh, the current 30 teams that there are. Uh, the Angels weren't in the bottom 10, but I think going forward, the Angels are going to be not the worst franchise in the MLB, but a bottom five franchise in, in Major League Baseball. The way they run it, it's just it's just not feasible. It's like it's it's literally like a fan runs it, right? Because you know me, I'm a dumb fan. I say a lot of dumb things. I want the Reds just to spend, spend, spend. It doesn't work, right? It doesn't work all the time. I would I would argue it works most of the time. But this season, I'm getting proven wrong with that. With the Mets, with the Padres, with the Angels, the teams that just go out and spend and they don't care about their farm system, these guys are out of the loop right now. It's 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 now the teams with the, with the farm systems that are that are destroying everybody. The the Braves raise these guys and then they pay them pennies uh, before they before they hit their peak and then they become the best player of all time. Ronald Acuna, uh, Ozzy Albies. I, I think the Angels right now are in a place and and again the Angels leaked the news that uh, Shohei and I believe his agent didn't want a surgery which would have fixed the injury or could have fixed the injury. Uh, which he's dealing with now. He's obviously going to have to get Tommy John. So, I don't know. The Angels organization's in a bad way. My question to you, though, is if the Reds don't go out and try to get one of these guys, if they don't attempt, if Reds' ownership, who, again, they've been saved. I know, like, I get this season's been awesome. If the red season doesn't turn out this way, everyone's still talking about the Phil Castellini quote. Everybody's still mad. I protested outside of the stadium. I went down there and I protested outside of it once they sold half our team for nothing after the, after the team could have made the playoffs the previous year. And, and, and I think the Reds right now, they're getting bailed out a little bit with Ellie De La Cruz, Matt McClain, Spencer Steer, Andrew Abbott, etc. If they don't go out and attempt, because they have waiver priority for a competing team, right? They're a competing team. Out of all the competing playoff teams, they, they're going to have the highest waiver priority, maybe except the Padres. Marlins. Marlins. Marlins don't count. Marlins are a dead franchise. Uh, so outside of those two teams, right, 
the Reds are first in line for these guys, and these are serviceable guys. Hunter Renfro is a serviceable bat, especially against left-handed pitching, who the Reds cannot hit. Uh, Randall Grichik, again, same thing. I can't watch Nick Senzel, Stuart Fairchild anymore. I can't do it. It is brutal. TJ Hopkins isn't good at baseball. He's not good. These AAA guys, I get it. It was, it was awesome for some of these rookies. It's, it's not been the same for Nick Senzel, for Kevin Newman, for, for Stuart Fairchild, for TJ Hopkins, for Michael Ciani, or whatever that guy's name was. I, listen, I, they've done a great job this year, but the injuries have killed the team. Absolutely killed it. They need depth. There's depth available right now. Get it. I, I don't want Lucas Giolito, but if you want to get Hunter Renfro, Randall Gritchick, get me something. Get me something. Give the fan base something. Spark, spark something. Spark something in the clubhouse, in the dugout. Do something, man. No, you're absolutely right. Listen, for those that obviously are quote-unquote prospect huggers, and I've I've been the one that uh, has stood on the front lines and saying that, you know, at some point you just got to stick to a plan. You can't try to deviate from it. You try to stick as much as you might think that those double-A and single-A guy, single guys are not, are, are not all that valuable. They have not proven anything. Trade them. Um, I think that I've, I've taken, I used to be a little more a part of that camp. I've taken a little bit of a backseat because when you start to look at these top prospects and where they're ranked, and then you go back and you look at years past and top prospects, uh, top prospects and where they're ranked and how they, how they become something like they actually end up more times than not, they end up panning out, believe it or not. Um, not always, of course, there's going to always be the, 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 the one-offs and, and, and. It just doesn't work out for whatever reason. You could point to Nixon Zell's of the world and all those types of guys, and I would argue Nixon Zell is for a very different reason than, than, than his ability to play at a high level in Major League Baseball. I think some of that's to do with you know moving guys and getting hurt is a big part of, uh, of sports. Um, they should do something. They need to do something. All of this is is money. The Castellinis and Nick Crawl said with their mouth wide open, they said it out loud, Nick Kroll specifically said at the deadline that the Reds fandom going to the ballpark, selling the games out, has afforded this Reds franchise an opportunity of going out and being able to sign guys, whether that be in the offseason or whether that be at the deadline. And it just so happened at this deadline, for whatever it is, I'm tired of people saying they didn't try. They didn't even try. They didn't even care. You don't even know what the asking price was. Until you know... In, until you're inside of the deal, how do you know what a good deal and bad deal is? To sit here and act like the Reds didn't try is being disingenuous. It, it's, it's being, quite frankly, a little ignorant to the situation. Now, on this situation, it's, it's very apparent. There's only one thing that matters at this point. It's money. You, they're not asking for Cam Collier. They're not asking for Connor Phillips. They're not asking for... For anybody, quite frankly, that matters. And in fact, they're asking for no one. It's just straight up money. So if you had money at the deadline, I think you should spend a little money. And in fact, it seems like a very cheap PR op opportunity. I, that's what I keep saying. Now, you might sit here and say that, oh, they don't care about that down there, this, that, and the other. I think they do. I think they do. If, 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 if they've, which it doesn't seem like they do. If they don't spend any, if they spend any money on PR down there, which it doesn't seem like they do. Maybe they don't. <laughs> If they did, they probably got fired too. <laughs> but if they care about their face at all, they go out and they spend a little bit of money here. Now, who's available? I don't know. The way the waiver wire works is this, okay? There's a list of teams that obviously go from the worst record down to the best record. 
And as Elliot mentioned, there's only two teams ahead of the Reds on that list that, quite frankly, would be interested in anybody. I think the Padres are still on that list because they're idiots, just like the Angels. They think they're in it when they're not. Wouldn't shock me in the slightest if the Padres were like, yeah, we'll take a couple of these guys and see if they can't fix the problem. Uh, and I guess the Marlins. But the Marlins have the Marlins spent some money at the deadline. The Marlins went out and got some guys at the deadline, so I don't know how much they're going to be actively involved. You've mentioned, obviously, a, a, a plethora of guys. I think uh, Harrison Bader's available. Harrison Bader's available. I think he's the best... Best bat that's faced left-handed pitching, I believe, in the whole entire lineup I looked. He's got like a 1,000 OPS against left-handed pitching. That's a guy that, that we should have. Harrison Bader also, I think, pretty good defensively. Yeah, I don't know. Really very good, good defensively. Very good yeah, defensively. I, I, I don't – yeah. So, so Harrison Bader's the guy. Yeah, if Harrison Bader's not the guy, then I'm asking, what the hell are we doing? What's the point? Why play the rest of the season? And, and I'm not a guy that sits here and screams and yells and says, you have to go make a move. But there's not a move to be made. You just pay the guy the money, you get Harrison Bader, and you live with the result at the end of the year. Then you can at least say you, you, did, you did actually try. You can hide behind what-ifs at the deadline. You can't behind hide anything here. Johnny in the chat just said, this isn't our year, folks. Realize it. We have a direction, but it's not this year. The Reds are two and a half games out of a playoff spot with a month to play. If you're going to quit on, on seasons when you're two games out with a month of baseball to play, don't show up to games. Don't watch the sport. Why play? Hell yeah. I mean, if, Hell if, yeah. If, you're, if, if you're two and a half out and, it's, and it's, uh, it's, it's not even September yet, but it's not our year and it's okay. It's okay to not try. It's not okay to not try. I was okay this season if the Reds were bad, but I, I saw some life in the young guys. The young guys have come up and have exceeded every expectation fathomable. They've come up and they've destroyed the MLB. That's a fact. They've kept the Reds competitive. They've kept the Reds in a playoff right in a, in a playoff race. If, if this if this isn't the year you're going to try, then why then why play? Let's just never play again. Let's let's wait for the future. And this is the part of the prospect thing, which again I I've been proven wrong. I'll say it a million times for the rest of the season. I've been proven wrong on the prospect thing. It's objectively worked. But if you're only looking at the future and you never look at the present and the opportunity that's been given to you, then you're never going to you're never going to be successful. I mean that's just a fact. You have to take the advantages that have been given to you. The Reds are two games out of a playoff spot. You win 5 games in a row and the next if the if the Reds four games sweep the Cubs, all of a sudden you're in the playoffs again. Season's back on. Then it is our year, Johnny. So it's like it it takes a it takes a week stretch of good play. To get the season right back on track into the postseason. So yeah, I, I think if you're if the Reds are serious, if the Reds are going to be serious contenders, if the Reds are going to show something to the fan base, because I'm going to be honest, people don't like me saying sell. Oh, the people sell the team, Bob. Bob Castellini and Phil Castellini, Castellini have been objectively bad owners. Objectively, Obje That's not a fact, or that's not that's not that's not that's not, a, that's not an opinion. That's a fact. They've been bad, right? They have zero playoff series wins. Zero. Zero. In 20 years, they have zero. It's almost impossible. They're the only team since 2000 to not have one, the Cincinnati Reds. So if they're going to prove anything, they go out and sign one of these guys. If they half-ass it and give me one of them, fine. I'm, I'll be happy. I don't, I, even at the deadline, I didn't expect anything at the deadline. You don't Because you, you still didn't know what the team was. Everybody knows you're desperate, Right? And you're going to have to sell more than you want. Right now, they don't have to. 
you literally give him $5 million, $10 million, whatever it is. He plays for the rest of the season, so I don't have to watch TJ Hopkins and Stuart Fairchild anymore. Respectfully. But this is the time to do it. Do something. If they do nothing, then the season is dead. Because that is, that's just an unwillingness to try, and that's like Johnny's attitude. Well, it's okay. We're going to be okay next year. What about the year after that, Johnny? What about the two years from now, three years from now? We'll be great in 10 years, surely. It's worked, that, that attitude's worked for the Reds so far. No. Spend on something. Do something, please. I, I, I'm on the bandwagon of that. I, and I've been a guy that's in here and said, don't, you don't, don't trade away prospects that you think can help you in two to three years. Don't do that. Because, it, because that, that truly is the time frame that this team could win a world championship. Which is the ultimate goal. Making the playoffs is one thing, yes. But trying to be the best team in baseball or one of the few best teams in baseball where you actually can win a world championship is, is the ultimate goal. That's where the Reds are aspiring to be. The Cincinnati Bengals are right there right now in the NFL. Can you guarantee a championship in any year? Of course you can't. The Braves might not win, win the World Series this year, and that's, which, which is absurdly ridiculous because the Braves, in my opinion, are the best baseball team by far in, in Major League Baseball. However... What Elliot is saying is very accurate and very true. For those that are in the chat that are saying, help what? This team's dead. This season's dead. Well, they're dead because they have nobody on offense right now that's worth a damn. And I would argue some of it's vibe-related. Some of it's just strictly they need, they need a, a boost in energy. They need a jolt. They need some help. And they can get help. They can get some help. This is an opportunity where you can change your roster slightly and at least buy yourself enough of a window to where maybe guys like Jonathan India do come back or Jake Fraley does come back. Jake Fraley, I hope he hits the ground running on September 1st, but my best guess is Jake Fraley, if he gets back to any kind of playing ability, it's going to take at least a week. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he hits the ground running. But you can't say the season's over. You just can't do that. I, I, I want to do it. I'd like to say that you're probably right in regards to the way that things are going, the way that it looks. Of course the season looks like it's over. Have you watched this team play for the last two weeks? They look terrible. And in fact, they were so bad that when they swept a team, that team decided to get rid of half their guys. That's how <laughs> bad the Reds have been. But the Angels have given us an opportunity. The Yankees have given us an opportunity. The Reds have to do something. And you know what the beautiful thing is? Is that we thought we had one problem at the deadline. The reality is, is that we have a whole other problem now. And we've been gifted. A, a, we've been gifted. The baseball gods have rained down and provided the Cincinnati Reds with a, with a rare opportunity of going and getting a couple pieces that could fill some holes. Will it fix the problem completely? I don't know, and you don't know either. If they picked up Harrison Bader and Hunter Renfro, and they got Giolito, okay? And maybe you could say they got to grab another relief pitcher or two off that list. I don't know. Are they going to sign five guys and spend five or $10 million at the, uh, to, for one month of baseball? Probably not. But my point stands is that you don't know that if they did get those guys, that somehow there's not a miracle involved here and somehow they do make a, do make a run. And what's your realistic expectation anyways? At the end of the year, all you're really hoping for as a Reds fan is just to make the postseason. As sad as that is, that's really, that would be the World Series for us as Reds fans, I would like to think. Do I want to get beat in the postseason again? Do I want to lose in another playoff series again? Do I want to go through the same situation we did against the Braves a few years ago where it's like, yeah, I'm excited to be in the playoffs and then you score no runs? Of course, that was terrible. But I would just say, 
it would be another experience for the young guys to be able to make the postseason. It would be nice to even get the opportunity to, to get lucky maybe and win a postseason series. That's a possibility. You can just get lucky and win a series, especially when it's only three games. But so to sit here a month out and act like they shouldn't do anything because of the future, there is no future involved here. They're not trading anyone away. It's strictly money. And why do you give a damn about how much Bob Castellini has in money? He's got plenty of it. Why do you care if the Reds' ownership spins or doesn't spin? Are you going to turn around and tell me, well, they're not. Let's save our money. Let's save, uh, let's just throw out an arbitrary number. Let's save $3 million here in the next week and a half because we don't want to We don't want to claim any of these guys on the waiver wire. We'll save that $3 million for the offseason, Trace. We'll go out and get a little bit better of a guy. We have $3 million extra dollars to spend. We're two and a half games out of a playoff spot. The Mets, the Padres, the Angels went out and spent a bajillion dollars in the offseason, and they have nowhere to be found when it comes to the playoffs. So I'm on both sides of the aisle. I am a future guy, but I also can say, listen, if we're not going to play for the here and now, if we're always going to sit here and act like tomorrow is promised and it's guaranteed that this young core is going to be there for the future and we, we, we should just hold pat. Don't worry about it. Don't spend that extra couple million dollars on trying to help this team possibly get over a hump. Could they spend the $3 million and it be absolutely trash and this team tank and stink and, and, and be 10 games out by the time the season's over? Of course. But who gives a damn? It's $3 million. It's probably, it's probably honestly, the legal fees from, from Bob Castellini selling his mansion in Arizona. That's how much, that's how much the $3 million was. Big whoop-de-doo. And here's the other thing about the ownership and, and spending money. If you are going to purchase a sports franchise and then complain about having to pay players and compete with your sports franchise, you should not own a sports franchise. That Orioles guy, who's the Orioles owner who came out and said that he's not going to be able to pay everybody because he's poor and all that, why do you, why do you own a team then? I mean, I'm not saying everybody should be like Steve Cohen, but everybody really should be like Steve Cohen. Go out and spend on guys. And if you're going to complain about it, don't own the team. What do we do? That's the way, People who complain about owners having to spend too much money, those, those are my least favorite people. I mean, that's, yeah. that's it's just if you're not going to be competitive, don't get in the game. Don't get in the game. You can go own a business. Go own a Shake Shack. Go own McDonald's. Go own a McDonald's franchise. Serve chicken nuggets. I don't care. Don't own the Cincinnati Reds if you're not going to spend on guys to help your team that's one game out of a playoff spot with a month to play. A month. Listen, you guys, I'm loving this because I have not heard this from you guys before. And you guys are right. When, when you get into a window to compete, if you look at next year and the year after you say, like, hey, in August and September – we are right in the thick of the, the postseason. That's exactly what. That's exactly what you want. Of course, you want them to play a little better. Of course, you want to be playing for a division. But if you're just competing for the postseason, getting in, getting the ticket to win, then that's what you do. If we can, I think all of us would say, looking back at the trade deadline, hindsight being 2020, you know, playing Monday quarterback or Wednesday GM here on August 30th, we probably the Reds probably should have went at least added the team, added something to the team, but that would have cost prospects. Now it's costing nothing but money. 
and you guys are making all the points. It's so true. This is great. Although I will say that you guys are being hypocrites because you always make fun of the Cubs and, and their bad contracts when you guys are like, who cares what the, the guys, the owners spend? You always make fun of the Jason Hayward contract. I don't care. Well, I don't. It make, doesn't matter to me. I don't make fun of owners for trying to spend money. Like the Angels guy, moron. But he's trying. I mean, he's, he's just stupid, right? I mean, he's just stupid and he has a lot of money. He's trying. Steve Cohen tried. If you're going to go out there and try to spend money, I can't fault you for that. That's, that's the thing. If you're going to make dumb contracts, I'm going to make fun of that part, right? If you're going to make a stupid, if you're going to give Jason Hayward a 10 year, $200 trillion deal, the guy can't hit 180. Yeah, I'm going to make fun of it. He a hell of a speech. But, but, but he did have a hell of a speech. Hell of a speech. But if, but if you're, if you're going to say that this owner shouldn't spend X amount of dollars because they're a small market team, what do we, then get out of the game, sell the team. Sell the team to L.A. Give, L.A. needs another sports franchise where nobody can go to the games. Give it to them. Uh, Oakland's going to Vegas. Reds can go to Vegas with them. It's just like if, if the small market excuse is such a bad excuse to be uncompetitive, it makes me sick. The Kansas City Royals have won a World Series. They're objectively the worst team in, in, in Major League Baseball. They're, they have a run differential of minus 2,700 since 1998. The Kansas City Royals have a run differential of minus 2,700 in the past 25 years. They have won a World Series. The Reds have not advanced in the postseason in that time frame. So, so that brings me to a relatively decent talking point about this whole thing, which is, is if, you want to, if you want what I think is the, is, is the cold hard truth, it's this. When you hear somebody making fun of a contract, when you see somebody uh, kind of joking about, oh, look at them, they're spending money on this guy, X, Y, and Z, it really is just jealousy. Mm-hmm. It really is just the, the, the wish and the hope and the dream that you had what someone else had. It's the same reason that poor people make fun of rich people uh, about whatever they have. Oh, look at the, look at the purse they have or you know, look, look at that nice car. Do they really need that car? You've all heard it, right? Do they need nine bedrooms in their house? Do they really need that? What, what kind of human needs to have 20 acres of land? To a small extent, there's some truth in that, but the vast majority of statements like that just come from jealously. I've done it when I was young. I've done it. Um, but the truth is, is that most people become wealthy because they make good decisions in their life and they work really, really hard. Not everybody, not everybody, uh, shout out Kim Kardashian, but there, there are a lot of people that work really hard in their lives. They make a lot of good decisions and that's why they obtain the wealth they have. And when you obtain the wealth you have, you get to make the decisions on however you wish. Here's the thing about that in ownership. I'm on both sides of the aisle with this a little bit. I think major league baseball has a problem. The reason, that, the reason that the Royals, quite frankly, have won a World Series but have negative 2,700 run differential is because the landscape of, of the financials in, in Major League Baseball don't make sense. They don't work for small market teams. They just don't. So what you have to do as a small market team is you have to be perfect. You have to go out and you have to have a good system. You have to be able to go out and find good baseball front office guys. You go, you find the right guys, you develop them, you get them for a certain amount of time, obviously with your with your under team control. And and if you get an opportunity to win a World Series, you can do what you can do what the Royals did, and you can trade the farm and you can just go after it and you hope and you pray to God that you win it all. And they did. And kudos to them. But they're paying for it on the back end. The only sad part about that is if that if Kansas City was in LA, if Kansas City was in Chicago, if Kansas City was in New York, they wouldn't have to do that. 
they would just be able to spend the money. So ultimately, I get the concept of what you're saying, Elliot, in regards to, well, if you, if you can't afford just to pay whatever for guys, then get out of ownership. You shouldn't be in ownership. Um, I'm in the position where the financials of a franchise have to make sense. I don't know if it's the best interest of sport to have just basically ownership groups be side hobbies for a bunch of billionaires. Would it work? Possibly. Do I think you could find 30 franchises that really are like Steve Cohen's of the world? No. In fact, I'd argue Steve Cohen's probably thinking to himself right now that he's never going to do that ever again. At the end of it, you have to have some business etiquette and some business sense when it comes to making these moves. And, and the Baltimore Orioles guy, I get what you're saying, Elliot, but I also think what he says, and Phil said some things that make a lot of sense too, like him or not. Obviously, most of us don't like him. But what the Baltimore Orioles guy was saying was that in order to pay these guys what other teams are valuing them out because they have such large markets, he's going to have to raise the prices to make it even feasible. Because newsflash, these guys are unbelievably wealthy, but the reason they're unbelievably wealthy is because they make good financial decisions in their lives. In most of these guys, you're not going to find 30 guys. You're just not going to find 30 guys that are like Steve Cohen that have a side hustle as a hobby of Major League Baseball, and they think that they can just basically just, just treat it like that. And what usually happens and what's going to happen with that type of ownership group is the same thing that happens when you have people that have wealthy parents, and I'm talking about sons and or daughters and or maybe we'll call it nephews, that go to the rich dad and they say, hey, let's, let's start a hobby together and, and let's see how long it lasts. At some point, if it costs that person that's really wealthy a lot of money and they look at it and they think, man, we're not really getting much out of this, you're going to stop doing it. I would be shocked if Steve Cohen continues to spend the money that he spends. And in fact, Reed's mentioned this before. It's probably a blessing. It's probably a blessing that Major League Baseball caught what I would call a little bit of a break in the fact that the Mets were terrible this year and the Padres were terrible this year. Because if they weren't, and it was just simply the ability to spend and win, Major League Baseball as a whole would be going right down the tubes. Right down the tubes. Major I League Baseball has to find a way, Elliot. They have to find a way. To make it to make it make somewhat of economical sense for all 30 teams. It's the it's the sole reason as to why the NFL is so successful. It is almost the only reason, in my opinion, why the NFL is so successful. If there was only four or five teams in the NFL where their fan bases, just like Major League Baseball, genuinely thought that they could make the, the postseason and make an actual run for it then I think that uh, the NFL would be nowhere near as popular. But that's not the case. You have teams like the Browns, the Steelers. I mean, you can laugh all you want, but they genuinely think that they can make the AFC championship game. And, that's what's funny. and you could possibly argue that they could. The Pirates, the Cubs, the Reds, and the Brewers, you could, you could make a case that no one in their right mind in that fan base thought that they could make the NLCS. You can make a case for it. That not a single team in the division that the Reds play in think that they can make the NLCS, but every single team in the Bengals division thinks that they can make the, the, the championship game. Reed thinks that the, the Cubs can, but he's sorely yeah, mistaken. Yeah, I can. 
I do think they can. I thought you, listen, you can't be a fan if you don't think if, you, if you're competing for a playoff spot and don't think you can play and compete in the playoffs. What's the point? Yeah, I think the Brewers and the Cubs can make the NLCS. I don't think the Cubs Reds can though. All right, we got some super chats that I I, I don't want to say I've missed. It's just hard to kind of keep it moving throughout a show. Sir Boy he said, uh, let's talk about Elliot's X account. I don't know what X account he's talking about. I hope, it's, I hope it's X.com. Yeah, so, so yesterday, We're not so, talking about anything else, are we, Elliot? No, no, Do we no, have no, any no, OnlyFans? This is a kid's show, Trace. Okay. So, Sir Boy, yesterday, I, I get home. Uh, I got home, I don't know, around 6.45, 7 o'clock last night. I, I checked my Twitter, and it's, like, it's going off. I've got, like, 35 notifications. I'm like, what, what the hell's happening? I take a look, and Sir Boy had posted a giveaway. So if you go to Sir Boy Wonder's Twitter account right now, he has a giveaway. He's giving away a T. Higgins signed card. Uh, and he, the, the two of the, two of the uh, qualifications for winning this was, A, he had to follow, you had to follow Sir Boy, and B, you had to follow me. So Sir Boy brought in about 100 new followers to the old X account. Shout out Sir Boy. Hell yeah. That was wild. That was wild. That was that was a pleasant surprise. I was I've been waiting to get over the thousand mark for a long time. Sir Boy just did it in, a, in a five minutes. So that's the power of Sir Boy. If anybody doubted Sir Boy, you take a look at what happened to my ex account last night. I love that. Look at the generosity of, of generosity. Sir Boy Wonder. What a gr- the greatest guy of all time. You guys didn't coordinate this? I didn't. I had no idea. Sir Boy, Sir Boy did this out of his own goodwill. It's just because he's a good man. He's a good person. So shout out Sir Boy. That's my guy. Yeah. Another another person that is that is uh, very generous and uh, does a lot of philanthropy of this show is Chi Town Real Estate. I hope you're selling a lot of stuff down there in Chicago land, Chi Town, because if, if not, I'm worried about the bills that you're going to have to pay. Uh, well, his name five is- whole dollars said I was going to cut back on donations, but after last night, I love you all, man. We love you too. His name is Chi Town Real Estate, Chicago land in Northwest Indiana. So I gotta ask, how's the how's the real estate market in Gary? Is it going well? Hey, let's not punch a, down, Reed Mouse. Let's okay? not punch down. I'm not punching down. Let's I'm, not I'm punch asking down. a genuine question. Me and me and Elliot recently went through Gary. We Indiana. went through Gary, Indiana. It was a beautiful town. Beautiful. You Home of Michael Jackson. You could see the the road work that hadn't been done yet. It was a it's, thriller. It's just beautiful. Yeah, I I'd go back to Gary, Indiana, eventually. Yeah, sure. Sure. Let's go. Let's all go. Let's all go. Let's all can go we, to Gary. Can we, can we tell a uh, small? I, I tell a small little funny bit that I had seen a long time ago. This was back when Twitter was not nearly as popular, um, and before I deleted my first Twitter account, um, there was a guy that I followed that that uh, followed Big Ten baseball, uh, and I followed college baseball pretty religiously back then, and that's when I was in college, and he uh, he was covering the Big Ten baseball tournament. Where was it played at? Gary, Indiana. Uh, I don't remember the two teams right off the top of my head, but two Big Ten teams, obviously. I think Indiana might have been one of them. But nonetheless, two Big Ten teams were playing in the, in the uh, tournament in Gary. The game went like 14 innings. It was a 7 o'clock first pitch. So I think that the last pitch was like this before. This, no pitch clock. Um, I want to say it was like 1 or 2 in the morning. Guy is a pretty reputable reporter, right? Doesn't work for any kind of big news agency or anything like that, so I don't think he could have gotten canceled, and I don't know if canceled was a thing back then. Um, but he put out a tweet that I still remember to this day. I don't want to say that I laughed at it, but I think that it's relatively humorous, so I'll tell you it. He put out a tweet and said, whatever, I'm going to use Michigan State as an example because I don't want to butcher this. But he said, Michigan State wins 5-4. to four. 
through 14 innings. Final pitch, 2.04 in the morning. However, everybody's still alive. <laughs> and this game is played in Gary, Indiana. So I consider everyone winners. <laughs> Beautiful town. And, and, and that was the, the biggest punch down. Side-handed, no, no, <laughs> good, no good reason to say comment of all time. And uh, it still sticks to me to this day that he, that he actually tweeted that out. I, it's, it's, it, I don't like to punch down, but Gary, Gary doesn't have – it just has never came back to what it once was, and it's, it's a ghost town now. So it's, it's, I don't think it's any fault to the people of Gary. I don't think it's that, but it's not a good town to be in. Certainly not. All right. Um, news outside of Major League Baseball. The Cincinnati Bengals cut their man, the roster down to 53 men, right? Um, some may say that this is a, a huge opportunity, a huge day. And I think that for the most part, as I mentioned yesterday, there's certainly impacts that are made. There was some big names. I'm not the person to really probably get into the, to the, to the vast majority of these names because, quite frankly, I am an NFL casual, if we're being quite, completely honest. Now, I do think my takes are great, of course. If I watch an NFL game... I think that uh, what, what my eyes tell me are usually true. I think Justin Herbert is elite. I think the Chargers are very good. They got banged up last year. I think the Chargers are going to be good. If you know, uh, Not that we want to sit here and spew off takes, but I'll put it out there. I think that's the sleeper of the league. I think the Chargers are probably one of the best teams in the NFL. They were one of the best teams in the NFL last year. They just had a billion injuries. It's hard to win games in the NFL when you have a billion injuries. When you got an elite-level quarterback like Herbert, I'll take it to the bank. Casey? 53-man roster cuts, your most disappointment, uh, disappointing guy that uh, they got cut, I'm assuming is going to be the guy that was ranked three on the PFF in defensive ends. Yep, that would be correct. Raymond Johnson the third. Um, that's the biggest disappointment out of all of them. I expect him to maybe get a practice squad spot. Um, but, you know, it, time will tell. Time will tell. I know they, they also cut some guys like Michael Thomas. That was uh, kind of sad along with Stanley Morgan. Both those guys have been around the Bengals for at least three or four years, and they've been on the 53-man roster for a very long time. They were both special teams guys, um, very good at special teams too. Um, so that, that's going to be interesting to see where they go to fill those holes at. I'm assuming DJ Ivy will play a part of that. I'm assuming... Yoshi Voss will probably play a part in that as well. Um, but, you know, I, I was surprised that they kept the linemen that they did, the amount of linemen that they did. Um, the Bengals are uh, not known to go out and find guys off of the, the waiver wires often. Um, after they make their cuts, they try to just stay with what they know, keep the guys that they wanted. And move on. Um, however, Trace, I have a list here of guys that were cut that I think the Bengals should be looking at and looking at very, very hard. Um, a couple tight ends, because we all know the tight end depth is not the greatest at the current moment when you got uh, Drew Sample on the roster. Uh, <laughs> you got the biggest one to me was my my uh, draft sleeper, he had a perfect RAS score for the tight end group. A perfect mm. RAS score. Zach Kuntz, 
Um, that's a guy I thought that the Bengals could have drafted. Um, What's his name? Zach Kuntz. Yeah, and that's why probably – I mean, his Raz – like, when I think of Raz, I think of, like, ooh, he's got a, like, pizzazz. Raz, pizzazz. What's his last name? Kuntz. Like, I'd take five points off the Raz score just for that last name. I, I like, <laughs> Kuntz, like, you don't – there's not any Raz there. I, I'm out on him, but don't continue. Like, don't like Kuntz? No, don't, I just – like the there's not any Raz there. I think that's mm-hmm. what – I think when you look at the Raz score, that's really what it's about. It's about the pizzazz. It's about the X factor. You really don't like Kuntz? Don't like Kuntz, huh? No, I don't. Interesting. Hmm. Go ahead, Casey. Sorry I interrupted. Then you probably don't like Gutekunst. Uh, anyways, the uh, the tight end he he's a uh, very very athletic freak, um, but you know I, that, that's just the only reason really. Um, played in a, I think the Akron Zips maybe he's on one of the lower Division One teams in college. Um, so he doesn't really have the uh, the profile, I guess, of some of the high-end talent there. But a couple other tight ends, Tyler Croft, the next Bengal. He's out there in the market. I would rather have him over Drew Sample. And uh, Zach Gentry, he's a blocking tight end from the Steelers. Darius Rush, he was a recent corner draft pick. And uh, he was touted as one of the better corners um, kind of derailed his career with injury, but um, that's a guy I was looking at as well. Stanley Morgan, again, a guy I won on the practice squad at some point. A um, couple other guys. We got Jermaine Afidi, a guard. Keaton Sutherland, another guy that the Bengals had. He's a guard. Uh, Cameron Dantzler, corner from the Vikings. Um, gets more depth there. Natane Moody, another guard. Zonovan Knight, a running back. There's some guys out there I think the Bengals should take a look at. I don't think they will because it's just not their M.O., but we'll see. Time will tell. I like where the roster's at right now, but I think tight end depth, I mean, that needs a little help. Speaking of owners that were bailed out, has any owner ever been bailed out more than Mike Brown was when he got Joe Burrow? Has there ever been an owner in the history of sports that's been bailed out more than that guy? Well, to be fair, to be fa- yes, but <laughs> to be fair, they've also done a lot of things ever since Katie Blackburn got there yeah. to change change the image of the franchise. Like this isn't the same franchise that still practices outside. This isn't the same same team that doesn't have anything in the stadium that that is worth looking at. This isn't the same team that didn't have a Hall of Fame, that didn't have a, a Ring of Honor. All these things have changed drastically. It just coincided with getting Joe Burrow at the exact same time. Yeah, I just think I you look at the owners of this city 10 years ago, and it's the quite possibly the biggest collection of losers I've ever seen in the Castellinis and uh, Mike Brown. I, and again, that's no disrespect, of course. Uh, I mean all love and respect to those people. But it's just tough. Mike Brown, but now Mike Brown's a hero to this city. So, interesting. I hate I that we, it interesting. I hate that we have a bubble now because one of my longest bits that I used to do is – Whenever the Bengals would be be winning a football game against the Steelers, one of those hard-nosed games, I would just constantly yell at the TV anytime we'd make a tackle like, we're tougher, we practice outside. Now that bit's gone, so I can't do that anymore. So that's no fun. But I guess it's a bubble, so does it even count as an indoor facility? Does that count? I think it counts, yes. Now it does look preposterous. I, <laughs> I got to be honest. I, I think that it's, 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 it is kind of wild, uh, which goes back to the point of, of college athletics being professional, basically. That's what it is. The, the, it's, it's amazing to me that you genuinely 
can go right up the road to Oxford, Ohio. In, in, in Miami, the Red Hawks have a better indoor facility than Cincinnati yeah. Bengals. I, it, it, it's, it's preposterous. Of course, Ohio State and all the big programs have unbelievable facilities. These guys genuinely go from probably the most unbelievable facilities that one could possibly ever see and or have for football to going to the NFL. And if you got drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals to just being like, wait, I thought I thought I was going, I thought I made it to a higher level, not this. I mean, they walk across a public street, man. Well, that's the point. Like, We're they walk across the public street to get to practice. Yeah, it's, this isn't this isn't college. This isn't we're going to coddle you anymore. I mean, that's that's not what we do here at the Cincinnati Bengals. We don't coddle. We say this is hard nosed. This is big league. We're we are tough. We are a tough team. That's ever that's what people have always said about the Cincinnati Bengals. They are tough, hard nosed. They got stripes. They play in a jungle. They play in a jungle. That's why the seats are green, by the way. But. It's, I don't know what you want. I, I don't know what you want. You want some, some beautiful facility like Ohio State has because they sure win a lot. You want some beautiful facility like, I don't know, uh, Michigan has because they sure win a lot. No, no. Here, Miami, Miami, Ohio, they sure win a lot. No, here at the Bengals, we practice outside or in a bubble, and we do it because we like to brave the elements because we are a tougher team. That's what's awesome about Cincinnati Bengals football. That is the M.O. Do you think that the Cincinnati Bengals are going to have the house that Joe built, the same thing that happened in Indianapolis with the house that Peyton built? I mean, that's probably going to happen, right? I think that if Joe Burrow has anywhere close to the career that we all come to expect, a new facility, and a new facility, I mean stadium, by the end of his career will be, will be a thing. Am I wrong on that? I know that people are talking about renovations and this, that, and the other. Um, is there a chance that they could uh, – now hear me out. Okay, I know this is big, big thinking, and I know it's probably unfathomable. It's probably not going to be a thing. Is there any chance in the world that they could kill two birds with one stone and build an basically like Lucas Oil Stadium type place? And then on the back side of Lucas Oil Stadium is a just a smaller indoor arena. That way they could have two different arenas. They could have a arena that is basically like Lucas Oil where you can hold a Final Four. And you could also hold regional basketball on the other side. So just a thought. Concerts, probably better indoor as well. Just a thought. Is that even a realistic possibility or am I just being too far-fetched? No, I don't think that's a realistic possibility. <laughs> Not here. Not here. So if that's what you were wondering. Well, the no. Browns certainly aren't going to buy it. And the city, I think, is pretty much done on – I mean, they got they the got stadium deals up in 2026, right? Yeah, the, the state the, the city got pretty shafted on the last deal, and I I think cities in in general, not to get into politics, I think cities and I, I I guess I'm wrong because new cities are putting them up all the time, but there was for a while there it was tough for a city to agree to public funding for for major stadiums, but I don't know. We'll see. What Is that happens. that seems like a ball of rat? Like that seems kind of wild to me that they listen. The whole stadium deal stuff, I think, gets blown out of proportion. There's so many semantics that go with that that I would argue is impossible to get the real number. I think it's a made-up number, like half, like 90% of marketing. It's all made-up numbers. Um, if the Bengals didn't exist and you didn't want to build a stadium for the Cincinnati Bengals, this is Cincinnati in Hamilton County, and let's say that the Reds, you didn't want to build a stadium for them either, and they just said, all right, we're going to leave. What the hell do you got? What do you have? I mean, I know that sounds wild to say, but in, in, in all honesty, 
That's the only reason that 90% of the people go down to the city for is because of sporting events. None of the bars, none of the revenue, none of the sales tax, none of it would exist. So sit here and act like, oh, you know, it was a bad deal, bad deal. Like, I don't know, man. Seems like we're sitting here kind of barking up a tree that I'm not sure you should be barking up. Now, am I saying that the taxpayers should have to pay for every single dime of something? Of course not. The ownership group, the people that benefit from the financial means of the NFL, uh, you know, to a, to a certain extent should be held financially responsible for building said things. However, let's, let's, let's also just point out the obvious. If there were not a stadium and there were not teams down there, what do you really have in the city? I mean, with all due respect, of course, I don't know. It, well, there's been multiple studies that have been done on this whole thing about the public funding of uh, stadiums. The, the deal is that it brings economic development to a, to a town. And from what, for what you've seen in, in these economic studies is that for the most part, it doesn't create much economic development into a town. And just as a downtown area is handcuffed with the, with the, the needing of major sports teams to, to kind of create, the teams are kind of handcuffed to, to belonging to a city because that's where their base is already. You know, if, if the Bengals were to lose, they're going to they're gonna lose – a majority of their fans, you know, Cincinnati fans would go somewhere else. So it's, they're kind of handcuffed together. But for what you're, you're asking about, whether or not you, you should put tax dollars into building new facilities, it's shown that it doesn't create much economic development. Now, I would argue that it doesn't always, public funding doesn't always need to drive economic development. I would say that it's objective. Sometimes you just do things for the betterment of the city. You just do things because people enjoy these things, and that's what the government's supposed to do. It's supposed to increase the citizens' Um, livelihood, but neither here nor there. FC Cincinnati ripped those people from their homes, right, to build their stadium? They did. They just ripped them out from the ground and put a stadium right on top of their houses and their homes and their family homes and their livelihoods? Is that right? Is that what happened? Yeah, that's exactly I, what happened. All right, I just want to make sure I had the, the facts right. But I'm sure they're doing good things at FC Cincinnati. <laughs> they're winning. <laughs> hell, hell yeah, no point to be made there. It just there was no. I was waiting for the secondary part of that. Nope. And there just wasn't one. It was just. I want to remind everybody that TQL Stadium is basically built on top of people's houses. Um, it was. It's, it's, it's really scenes. unfortunate. Um, yeah. I, I, I listen. That's a whole debate for another day. Um, here's the thing. I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not gonna buy into the fact that the city shouldn't help pay for things. I just. I'm just not going to. I. I I'm not, I guess you could say that I'm not a taxpayer within Hamilton County. That's yeah, why I, 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 I don't believe that. That's why I don't believe that. Perhaps that's, that's part of the reason as to why. But I also think that, uh, that the most, most high tax district areas also have unbelievable real estate. Most places, there's a reason that there's a high cost of living. It's because there's a lot of people that want to live there. And you could argue, why do they want to live there? X, Y, Z. Hate to break it to everybody. I'm not trying to downplay where we live. But it ain't like people are moving here because they love the weather. It isn't why. I mean, what are the things that Midwesterners, for the most part, care a lot about? What are they passionate about? This isn't Nashville. There's no country music, like, basically agenda item where that carries the city. Give me, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I see people in the chat. The zoo. Uh, 
you want to throw in what's the what's the play place down there? What's the place they do? Well, the reason where, people where, live the... in Cincinnati is is for jobs. It's not because we have that's we have fine. sports teams and stuff like that. It's I understand gambles and GEs and stuff like that. And and that is probably what certainly drives most of the economic growth is actual jobs. But most people like to do things outside of their jobs, and the number one thing that most people like to do outside of their jobs is and I could be convinced wrong of this if you want to try to but I don't believe it for for a second is the Bengals and the Reds and I know we do a sports talk show and everyone's going to be like look at how look at how much Trace has his head buried in the sand and that that's very possible I live in I live my life in sports perhaps I overvalue it but I'm just here to tell you if there's no Cincinnati Reds and there's no Cincinnati Bengals this city this city has a a, a dark dark future it just does. I don't know. I, I think that's I think that's I think that's a bit much. I, I mean I, <laughs> I there's only twenty thousand people showing up to Reds games anyway. So it's I mean it's not like we're selling out games every time. I think I think the city's a good city. Overall you look at Cincinnati and you look at places like Columbus. Gary, Indiana. You look at these places and you're just like, what? I mean, what is there to do? Cincinnati has objectively a good downtown. It's a good place to live. It has a good out. What, what's uh, it, it, outside of Cincinnati? Like outside of the downtown area, it's really good too. So I, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot more to Cincinnati than the Reds and the Bengals. I mean, the Reds, the Reds literally haven't done anything the past 20 years. Yeah, I they've think, done nothing. I think if you take away the Cincinnati Reds and the and Cincinnati Bengals out of Cincinnati, I think the city is operating at a similar level I, I really do i just can't i can't buy into that i i, I really i genuinely can't buy into that i mean we've got I, concerts do you think riverbend I'm, this is a genuine question yeah go i ahead. don't know how many concerts riverbend has but taylor swift doesn't come to cincinnati i do you think do you think between uh the the new music brady and riverbend and maybe we can throw in the concerts that happen at the the big stadiums um do we think that there's more people going to concerts or more people going to sporting events? There's 100% people that are going to go to more sporting events. In fact, think I, so? I, yeah, I mean, the Bengals, the Bengals, four, I would say four home games for the Cincinnati Bengals are going to outdraw Riverbend for the entire year. So you're thinking 10, well, I'm, I'm saying there's, well, there's, I'm, I'm giving multiple venues for, for the, since I'm saying, you're saying sporting events as opposed to concerts, which gets more, more tickets sold in Cincinnati per year. And I'd say it's probably concerts. I don't we're, know. Talk, we're talking 90 I mean, sporting events. 90 I don't sporting think events. I don't think that's right. Just because the Reds play 162 games, I just, just by just by number of games, you're going to get more money from sporting events. But if Bengals have 60,000 people a game for eight games, uh, um, yeah, I, I would say probably Bengals have more. But it's I mean it's 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 still close. It's not like it's a blowout. I don't think. So Riverbend gets about a half a million people a year. Which is, I think the Reds get what, like one, one five or yeah. something like that. So it's one third of that, and then the Bengals get about what seven hundred thousand a year, somewhere around that. You're strictly talking about people that are buying tickets to go to the game. Correct. Riverbend's getting one hundred percent of the thing. I've never heard anyone be like, hey, I'm gonna go and just kind of just tailgate around Riverbend tonight. I mean, maybe that happens. I've never heard of it. I've heard of a lot of people that are like, I'm just going to go down to the city, enjoy my time at the banks, and maybe hit up the casino afterwards. Right, well, do you, do you think that's, people would still do that? Do people still do that when there's not sports teams going on? When there's not when they're not playing? You think, think the banks, when the Reds are on the, the road, is, is just empty? No! Uh, I think no. that the banks, I think the banks collectively would, would not exist without sports. Yeah, I mean, I do. It would I'm, not I'm, people are still going to go to bars down in, down in Cincinnati is what I'm telling you. There's still plenty of things to do. 
And why do the banks exist? OTR exists, and it and it draws just as much people as the banks. No, I mean, I, I get the concept. I'm just saying in general terms, I mean, we're losing a little bit of track on where we're going with this. I, my main point is, is that if you're going to sit here and tell me that you overspent, what, 20 bucks per household on a yearly average, because that's what, that's what it took to be able to make sure you had an elite world-class facility for your football and basketball opportunities and also indoor concerts that are like Taylor Swift's of the world, I think that's better for the city. No one's going to convince me that the city shouldn't do that. I, I'm, I'm never. I'm not. I'm not arguing that the city doesn't need that. Doesn't need the team. I'm just saying, like, I think. I, I'm not arguing that the city isn't better because of the sports teams. I'm just arguing that I think the city will be fine if they weren't here. I want them here. I think the city's great with them here, and it definitely benefits from them here. But I think the city is still a big city, and still has a lot of things to offer if the sports teams weren't here. All right. Let's see how we. Let's, let's see how no, we I was gonna. All, all I'm gonna say is this. Um, I have time to do some research for this show. I do want to know what. Uh, I do want to know what the uh, top cities in the country are, and metropolitan cities, of course, the big cities. And I'd like to see how many of those cities have uh, sports teams in them. The biggest city in Ohio doesn't have has one professional sports team. And it's the biggest brand in Ohio, and it's a sports brand. It's the, the biggest brand. Blue jackets? What? What are you talking about? The Ohio State Buckeyes run this state, brother. Correct. And they, they do. play they play eight home games a year or it, what six home games a year. But my main point is is it it legitimately is what people they that's what people identify themselves for as. 12 Saturdays a, for 12 Saturdays of fall, there's still a billion things to do in Columbus. That isn't the majority of the reason that people like there's still plenty of things to do in Columbus when the Ohio State Buckeyes aren't playing. I understand where you're coming from. People have to live. Without sports, people, people I don't think are going to go in mass droves and, and decide to just want to die. No, I, I understand that. My main point is, is what is your city worth? What's your value of your city? If there's no sports in it, I think it's much, much lesser without sports. That's here nor there. All right. Um, Columbus Crew. The they, have two. they have two. They have two. So Reed right. accidentally the forgot the MLS team. I wonder why that, I wonder why that was. That's true. I didn't All right. College football is on its way. We're going to get into college football uh, probably a, a good amount tomorrow. Um, I know many people probably think that college football uh, is boring, this, that, and the other. But you know what? I don't think it's boring at all. I think it's exciting. I think there's some big-time games. I believe Alabama plays Texas this week. Uh, Utah plays Florida. And outside of that, I'll probably have to dig up some more games and figure out what it is important to watch, which maybe goes to Reed's point. There's going to be about 100 150 games this week, and I know two of them off the top of my head. Um, <laughs> it's just the truth. Well, we got it's big games tomorrow. Truth. Minnesota yeah. plays Nebraska. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Big Ten. Row the boat. Go Huskers. FC Cincinnati's playing tonight, Trace. It's a big yeah. match. We've got a QB battle. Joe Burrow's now got to fight out QB1 with Will Greer. That's going to be a tough battle. Is, is with, <laughs> of Zach, all the teams, Zach, Zach. By the way, real quick, Zach Taylor did say Joe Burrow might practice this week. That is true. I didn't need so that. He, he might he be said back. he might be back this week. Might, which is exciting. He's fine. Well, we know that. We he's know more he's than fine. fine. He's, he's beautiful. He's great. He's, he's he's ready to go. We shouldn't concern ourselves over it. You shouldn't concern yourselves over it. At the end of the day, Joe Burrow is going to be more than fine. Uh, we have FC Cincinnati. Excuse me. Can't even get it out. We have FC Cincinnati tonight. 
Uh, with that being said, I don't know much about it. Um, Casey McAllister does, though. Casey? <laughs> Here we go. Go ahead, Casey. Casey, I need you to let me know at least who they're playing and give me. Uh, here's what your job is on this show, okay? I know we are we are just completely. If we're being honest, we're 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 we're, we're naive jerks about all this. We're naive jerks, and should we be like that? Probably not. But as I said, immaturity. When you don't know something about something, most times you just you make fun of it because you're just you're insecure about what it could possibly be. It could be a beautiful game tonight between FC Cincinnati and whoever they play. But Casey, I want you to do one thing on this show, and that is try to give us and paint us a picture. Do your best sales impression you possibly can on why we should be interested in this game tonight, who they're playing, what it means, what time it is. Can we watch it? I'm assuming it's going to be on Apple TV. Casey, take it away. Okay. So uh, FC play Atlanta, Atlanta United. and um, Where do they play, Casey? They play in Atlanta. And the uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Mm, okay. That's not right. No? Nope. No, that's not right? Nope. Casey, I told you yesterday before the show started that if this show started giving popularity contests, if it gave absolutely any name credit to whoever owns said stadium, then we're going to have a problem. Oh. So it's not uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which is the last free ad we're going to provide on the show. It's a stadium in downtown Atlanta that they play soccer games in. And by soccer, I mean football. And sometimes they play football. And by football, I mean American football. <laughs> All right, Casey, continue. Okay. Well, they, uh, they play in Atlanta. I'm not going to say the name of the stadium. Um, well, yeah. And if, if, by the way, if they wanted us to say that name, they'd unfortunately have to contact our sales department. I don't know who would run that sales department here per se, but they can reach out to us and we'll, and we'll delegate. So uh, the, the Benz of Mercedes, if you would like, and again, no free ads, if you'd like that ad, Mercedes Benz, let's, let's put it this way. If Mercedes Benz. If Mercedes-Benz Stadium would like us to say Mercedes-Benz Stadium, they contact us directly. I'll put it through my sales department, and we'll go from there. So no, no, no free ads to Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Go ahead. All right. So FC is number one on the, on the table. Uh, Atlanta is number six. So some, some heavyweights there. Um, they, uh, Atlanta has um, some pretty – Pretty good uh, strikers. Um, Almada is one of those guys. And the other one, I can't even pronounce his name. It's Gaia Kumamakis. Gaia Kumamakis. Nice. Mm. He's from Greece. Say it again really fast. Gaia Kumamakis. My buddy graduated cum laude. Nice. Cum laude. Cum laude. Achievity Christmas, the IQ in this room. Uh, Acosta, uh, the best player for uh, FC right now. He uh, is playing, has the most goals scored for FC. Tied with Gumakis. And uh, he, he, he's, he's really good. He's really good. Should uh, watch those two because they're going to be fireworks. Um FC has not played Atlanta very well in the past. Um, they have not won a game against them the last five times in the last two years. They have not beaten Atlanta. So that doesn't look good for uh, FC. Um, I will say, though, Atlanta does not have a very good defense. 
according to the numbers. So <laughs> what do they give up? Like that's two, what I've been saying two, all year. They, <laughs> <laughs> they give up like two goals a game. What do they give up? <laughs> Atlanta. <laughs> Atlanta. Atlanta has 39 goals scored against. Uh, <laughs> they, they <laughs> and they played like 40 matches, so it's like a goal. <laughs> given up one <laughs> they played 26 matches so that's that's almost two a game almost two a game it's like one and a half a game or something like that they give up the most goals in the league and they give up a goal and a half a game about something like that oh yeah. my god <laughs> can we let Casey finish <laughs> I mean, I'm struggling, guys. I know. No, I, Casey, I don't blame you, brother. I can't <laughs> name a soccer player to save my life, especially if they play in the MLS. I mean, it's a minor league soccer league. Let me, okay, let me cut off the shtick. I'm going to cut off the shtick. No shtick Wednesday. No shtick Wednesday. No shtick Wednesday. Let me go on a rant rant about FC Cincinnati. A lot of people in this city are saying it's not our year. This is our year. FC Cincinnati, we together. We are going to get the Bailey together, and we're going to go and win a championship. I don't know what the championship's called, but we're going to go out there and win it. Are we going to have some ties along the way? Sure, 0-0 games. Some games where you're like, why are we even here? But that's what they do in the MLS. So if they're going to allow us to score zero goals and still get points in the standings, this is our year, FC Cincinnati. This is our town. This is our town. This is our city. We're going for the MLS Cup, and after we win that, we're going up to the Premier League, and we're going to take that one too. Roman Celentano. Elliot, Player. Elliot. Yeah. FC has only drawn six times. They've only lost three. They've won 16 games. That's three more than the next closest person. Hmm. Next closest team, I'm sorry. But regardless, um, if you want to try to draw a comparison on how well Atlanta's doing, um, Atlanta just beat Nashville 4 nothing. And FC lost to them in in August fourth, and they lost to them one to one in League's Cup. So I think it went down to penalty kicks. And I think that was the game where. Uh, and for the record, League's Cup didn't matter for anything, right? No, no, okay. just some hardware in the trophy case. If you ask me, I, my opinion, probably not the greatest to ask because I am a very casual fan of soccer and I. I love FC, but I am I'm not an expert on schemes, players, none of that. I know some of the FC players' names, and I know that they're good. And Acosta's really good. If you're going to watch soccer and you're going to watch FC, you're going to watch Acosta. Acosta is one of those players that just threads the needle. He's one of those guys that is fiery, gets into other players' faces, and he's like all of 5'6". And he's just, like, pointing at people, going like this, getting in people's faces. Well, trying. When you're 5'6", you can't really get in people's faces. But you get the point. He's really fun to watch. Um, I think most of our players are healthy, so that's a good thing going into this game. Um, and this is a big match, you know. It's it's not like you're you're playing the worst team. You're, you're playing the sixth best team in the MLS. And... They're currently on a, a really good hot streak, Atlanta. So, FC's in first place. Yep, FC's in first place. By a large margin. 54 points, Philadelphia's in second with 43. 
don't know Correct. where they're getting these points, but that's what that's what the standings say they have. Elliot, you they're don't not like standings or tables. Can I bring this story full circle? I'm going to provide some hope for the city of Cincinnati. They need it. Cincinnati is playing Atlanta. Um, and I don't want to give the credit uh, to the city that they're playing, but they're playing for a team from the south. And that said team from the south is from a city that also had a drought in their city to win sports championships in Atlanta. And the first team to break the drought was who? It was the MLS team, Elliot. And not only did the, did the MLS team win the championship, then the Braves win the World Series. Mm. The Georgia Bulldogs win back-to-back -back national championships. Mm. And the next thing you know, Atlanta is firing on all cylinders. Is cool. FC Cincinnati going to be the team that breaks the Cincinnati quote-unquote curse? Well, they, they, get a chance, they get a chance to lock in their playoff spot tonight. I forgot that, too. They win tonight. They win their uh, – they get a playoff spot. Some are saying it. Are we going to a home playoff game? No. Considering – On your dime, yeah, I'll go. Okay. You buy me a ticket, I'll be You'll there. You'll go if I buy you a ticket to FC? Yeah. Yeah, All I'll right. go. I'll go. Saturday night? Can I, can I say something relatively serious about soccer? When I mean soccer, of course, I mean football is this. <laughs> <laughs> Stop laughing about it. It's a good bit. It's a good bit. We'll laugh at a good bit. <laughs> Come on, guys. I'm trying to be serious. Uh, I actually have grown over the years to appreciate this the sport. I really have. I know that some people like make fun of it. I used to make fun of it all the time. I used to think that it was goofy. Zero zero games, one nothing games. It a little. It is a little demoralizing when I'm trying to defend a sport where the team that's given up the most goals in the league gives up a goal and a half a game. It's a tough look. That's a tough look. But for the most part, I can appreciate the sport a little bit more uh, for what the guys are and what they do and how talented they are. I think the first time, very similar to the way that, um, that maybe the first time I went to a, uh, a hockey game in person, I started to appreciate how talented they were, right? These guys were flying around on skates, smashing up into boards. And I just immediately thought, you know what? There's something to respect about that. I still honestly do feel, feel the same respect I have uh, – for hockey and it's moved over to, to football as well um and i i gotta be honest i still don't like love the sport but i think that's one of those things where um, it can be entertaining you just have to know what to watch what to look for right like that's the part that's tough is because if you don't know the game all that well you don't know when there's exciting moments because they come and go hockey's a little bit different i think because you can kind of just see Everybody being down near the net and there's, you know, pucks are flying everywhere for the most part. There's a little more shots on goal. Soccer, and by soccer I mean football, is this, is that you, you, can, you have scoring opportunities that don't even ever result in a shot on goal that soccer fans get excited about. And I just don't get excited about it because I never knew that it even existed. So... Shout out to FC. Hopefully they can bring a championship to the city. And maybe that, maybe that's the, maybe they, they, they break the seal per se. You buying that, Elliot? Sure, Trace. <laughs> I love them. As I, as I just went on that rant, I, this is our year. FC Cincinnati fans, let's come together. Let's rock out in the Bailey. Let's get a couple boys, uh, a couple goals for the boys. Uh, and let's go win it. Let's go win a championship. Maybe move to the Premier League. We'll see. Uh, soccer fans have, have great fans. 
I'll give soccer credit for that. I love yes. you. I love Great take. European. Great take. I, they, I love they have European really soccer. good fans. European soccer is good soccer. That's actually what. And by soccer, of course, Trace. What do you? What is it called again? They call it football. Okay. So I no the the European soccer. That's actually soccer to me. Like that's that's what people I mean, are watching. Come on. I mean, <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? Come on. The best player in the MLS is a guy that played overseas for half his or his entire career. I, you're right. Player. It's better over there, it but is. I mean, it's what we got it's here not. in America, so let's watch it. I mean, I you got a local team. Does right, this happen? You're, in right, you're right. Let's watch it. How much are you paying for Apple TV, Reed? It's what nine dollars? Yeah. $9? Do you have a subscription? You I have do? to buy the package, Reed. Oh, I don't have the package. <laughs> yeah, you you do. You I have, have, have Apple you have TV. Nine dollars a month, and you have to have the thirty dollars. I think it's thirty dollars. Is it? Well, it's something it, like it's that. It's more than that. It's more than thirty dollars a month. Yeah. I haven't I haven't missed an FC game. It's more than thirty dollars a month to watch. Uh, in the MLS. No, no, not not a month. It's like $80 for the year. $80 like for the year. Okay. Regardless, if you have the MLS package on Apple TV, which is a subscription service, I just got the Sunday ticket yesterday, so it's the same thing. You got to have a subscription, and then you have to have the actual pay-per-view package. Um, do you think that they do this in Japan for baseball? What? Like, do you, do you think they have, like, their, their league... And then yeah, they, they, people, people like Elliot make fun of their league, and they're like, oh, yeah, you guys want to just Japan League. Why don't you just watch Major League Baseball? It's over in America. It's a lot better. That's real baseball. I, I don't know. They, sit, <laughs> they pack their stadiums over in Japan. Japan baseball is awesome. Japan baseball is great. I watched it right during uh, coronavirus, during the heart of it. The Why K were you watching it? The KB, I was watching the KBO. I was watching the, KB, the Korean baseball organization uh, because it was the only sport being played at the time. So I would go and watch KBO games. I loved it. It was it was good. It was good time. There wasn't any two a.m. wagers on KBO baseball. No, Reed. I'm responsible. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. They all love they they. I'll tell you what. That's the good thing about like whoever what whatever team gets Shohei Otani this offseason is they're going to get an entire country of fans. To like you could you could maybe make a case that you will gain money from signing Shohei Otani because all the merchandise you'll sell over in Japan when all they want if the you know if the Reds get Shohei Otani which isn't going to happen there's going to be a million Reds jerseys sold over in Japan for Shohei Otani because the entire country is behind whatever Do you team. think um and just to be clear let's uh, this is a, a programming note I mentioned Japan I meant Japan he brought up the KBO. I think he knows that the KBO is the Korean baseball organization. I think he knows that. Japan and Korea, not the same place. We should make sure that we're clear on that. I was, I, yeah, he, I was, he, said, he said it. <laughs> I know. I'm just making sure that, that that's stated. Well, now you're the only one questioning. <laughs> no, I, I, didn't he, I didn't hear you say that it was the Korean baseball organization. I think you said it was the KBO, and, and I, I, that was right, off the, that was right okay. off the heels of me mentioning the Japan Baseball League. But maybe you did. Okay. Maybe you did. Credit to you. Continue on. Sorry. We're locked in. We're locked in on this Wednesday. Yeah. I don't know what's going on over there. Um, I don't even know where I was at. What, what were we even talking about? You were, I don't know. You were talking about the Japan or KBO. You, you, you just Comparing just MLS to Premier. <laughs> oh, I know what I was going to say. I, it's a serious question. This is a soccer segment. <laughs> no, I, I, I genuinely have a serious about, question. And we're talking about Japanese baseball. That's what that's. Again, I mean, no disrespect. I love the good game of soccer. And by soccer, Trace means football. But if you spend a five-minute segment on soccer and you end up with Japanese baseball, <laughs> Korean baseball, we're, we're doing something wrong. Something's not right. So okay, let's. I, I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to stay within myself. I'm trying not to laugh and have fun. Uh, FC Cincinnati 
Well, this is how we'll end this. This is how we'll end this segment. FC Cincinnati, they're going for the gold. They're going for the cup, uh, the MLS Cup. They're gonna go win it all. FC Cincinnati, Roman Celentano. I like Roman Celentano. Will you go? Will you go to the parade? Of course not. Oh, it's the first. It's the only parade you'll have. The city will have. <laughs> there he is. Ouch. Ouch. Well, I'm you a know. Bengals fan. We'll see. Uh, listen, I'm not rooting against FC Cincinnati at all. I, in fact, if it brings more joy to this city, then I'm all for it. Same thing that I, I appreciate about the Bengals. The Bengals are winning. The city's, the city's got a different vibe to it. The Reds are winning. The city's got a different vibe to it. Um, hopefully, FC finds a way to win. And again, I, as, as long as we keep doing this show, we'll keep, giving, uh, we'll keep giving Casey an opportunity to convince us that we should watch it. Um, I don't know if I was convinced this time around, but that's probably because we didn't give Casey much of an opportunity to prepare. Just kind of threw it on in there last minute. All right. Uh, this is part of the show where, unless we have a top five list or buy-sell segment, we're at the end of the road. We, we, we do have a top five list if we want to go into it. We've been doing it every Wednesday. We'll keep the, we'll keep the shtick going. Let's see it. Let's hear no, it. No shtick Wednesday. So this is, reminder... No Shtick Wednesday. It is the annual Top 5 list. So last or two weeks ago, we talked about the Top 5 Cups in the history of the world. Last week, we talked about the Top 5 Divas in sports, which we announced that Jordan Love was the biggest diva in all of sports. Close to them was Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, and Bart Starr. Um, today, we are going to go into a topic that we talked about yesterday, but I did some digging, and I figured out what were the five worst umpired games this season in major league baseball reminder this is the top five worst officiated umpired games in major league baseball this season in the entire league so let's dive in coming in at number five it is a local it is about a local team of ours the cincinnati reds if you remember back in june the cincinnati reds were made to play in the pouring rain out there in baltimore of course how could the umpires make the Reds do that? It rained for forever. They kept playing. That was the fifth, fifth worst umpired game in baseball this season in the entire league. Uh, coming in at number four, we actually have a series of games. It is basically whenever the Reds play the Brewers because for some reason the Reds can't score against the Brewers. And it is, of course, because the own plate umpires have just widened the zone when the Brewers are on the mound and shrink it when the Reds are on the mound. How dare they? It is, it, it's really egregious that the Major League Baseball is out to get the Reds in such a horrendous fashion. Coming in at number three, every time that David Bell gets tossed. Because, I mean, I think he leads the league in getting tossed. And how could you not? The, the umpires are out to get them every single game. I mean, he's fighting for his boys out there. He's got to be. He's got to do something. He's got to get these guys ready. That's David Bell. You've seen him in post conf or post game conferences. He's so quiet. He's, he, he talks like this. He, he seems so calm. But man, these umpires just get under his skin, and he's gonna get tossed. So that's what he does. Gets thrown out all the time. David Bell. Every time he gets tossed, coming in at number three. Uh, number two. Uh, was C.B. Buckner. Because, I mean, what was he doing? What was he doing? It's the ninth inning. It's a close ball game. And he rings somebody up. He's a professional umpire. And he shows that he rings them up so that all 40,000 fans can sit. I mean, what was that? What were you doing? Where's the old just strike three? Sorry, Buck. Get back in the dugout. No, he's got to make it all about himself. C.B. Buckner, the show-stealing home plate umpire. How dare him? How dare you, C.B. Buckner, send you into the ocean? Smell you later. 
And of course, the number one worst umpired game in Major League Baseball this season was last night's game. <laughs> if it wasn't for the umpires last night, the Reds would have had a dozen hits, maybe even 20 hits. Who knows? But because the umpires were so bad, the Reds could only muster up one hit over little old Alex Cobb. The San Francisco Giants are a terrible team, a terrible franchise, and the Reds should have beat them by 20. But because the umpires, they only mustered up one hit, a Spencer Steer hit, and the top of the ninth with two away. It's really amazing that they even got one because of how egregious the umpires were. I digress. The five worst games of, of officiated, umpired, in Major League Baseball this year. Trace? Well, I thought at number four we were on to an actual real list because that is objectively true. Every time the Reds did play the Brewers, they were absolutely horrible. They were disgustingly bad. But, you know, your point has been taken. It's been well taken. I'm not one to make excuses about the umpires I'm all that I'm not to blame often. the ump guy. In fact, I think that it is a reasonable discussion to say that if you can get the calls right every single time, maybe we should start doing that. And I think that's getting to the point where I'm at. Uh, I was not there to start this year off. I thought, you know, these umpires, for the most part, let's also face it. Everybody wants to say, and Elliot probably being the specific one, saying that these umpires are horrible. They're disgustingly bad. I mean, with all due respect, they're pretty damn good at their jobs. Um, for the most part, maybe two or three pitches a game, you could say, is objectively bad. But outside of that, they're borderline pitches. As I said to you thousands of times, I've said it on this show before, if you took away the little strike zone thing, you got rid of the stat cast stuff, you just watched the game off the camera without the box on there, many times, many times, you would probably think that a certain pitch was a strike or wasn't a strike, even though it was or wasn't. You would be wrong. Watching the game on TV, you would be wrong if they didn't have the box on there. More times than not on a close pitch. So I don't give these umpires all that, all that grief about it. But if you can get the calls right through an automated system, I think I'm on that, I'm on that train now. I, I wasn't before. Just get the calls right. Let's move on. If it doesn't interfere the flow of the game, which is the main argument that you could make and convince me of as to why you shouldn't have replay, is the flow of the game. Nothing worse than college basketball. A minute left, mm -hmm. 30 seconds left. There's a ball that gets knocked out of bounds, and it looks obvious as to how the ball got knocked out of bounds. But no, we need to go check the replay monitor to see if when he was knocking the ball out of guy's hands, it barely tipped his finger on the way out. Like it matters more in the last 30 seconds than it does the entire game. Possessions are possessions. Not to get on a rant about college basketball and that whole situation. But if I don't understand the whole concept in sports now to where you, you get an opportunity to replay, replay everything within the last two minutes of a game, but you, you don't get the opportunity to replay everything throughout the entirety of the game. Why can't you replay everything through the entirety of the game? Is because the flow of the game matters. We can't have games going six hours long. So if you can eliminate the opportunity of ruining the flow of the game, I'm all for making replay as much as possible. Get the calls right. Let's figure out who the best team is based off the according of the rule book, like Reed said a thousand times, and we'll keep it moving. But I'm not going to make excuses about the umpires. I think that that's something that uh, you said it yesterday. That's something that most people do when their team isn't playing well and or there's a reason as to why um, they want to get frustration off their chest, a la targeting call on a New Year's Bowl game. Mm. Don't want to bring up the uh, the 12 guys that you had on the field, do you? If you didn't know what I'm talking about, 
for those that know what game I'm talking about, on the fake punt, timeout, there was 12 guys on offense. They didn't get flagged for it because they missed it. But no one wants to bring that up. Or any of the holding calls, but that's here nor there. Yeah. Uh, cherry on top today. Casey, I, have, uh, I, I sent you a, a tweet on the DM. This is regarding the Ryder Cup news from yesterday. Azit. Azit, that's correct. You, uh, you had that right. This is Keegan Brandley uh, on missing the Ryder Cup once we pull that up there. But it, it goes to show that I think it is a popularity contest for the, for the back half of the team. And, and Keegan Bradley is well aware of, of, of what happened to him. So here's the cherry on top presented by UDF. So Keegan Bradley, again, was not selected by Zach Johnson to make the Ryder Cup team. Instead, uh, Justin Thomas was chosen over him, even though Keegan Bradley is ahead of him in the rankings, uh, <clears throat> in the PGA rankings. And this is what he had to say. Uh, I've always been an outsider in the sport, but I've tried to get closer to the guys I thought would be on the team. I feel like moving forward, I'm going to have to automatically qualify for the Ryder Cup. Uh, I think that was a shot at Zach Johnson. I think it was a shot at everybody who made the team. Uh, it sucks. It, it sucks for him because, like Trace said yesterday, he, he deserved it. He was in the right to, to make this. And I think, really, uh, it's, it's what all these guys like play for genuinely. They genuinely want to make the Ryder Cup team every two years. So this sucks for him, and, and, I, and I hope there's a way to fix it going forward. But as of right now, that guy just got screwed. Yeah, for the podcast form, throw that back up there, Casey. I'm going to read out the the uh, the full statement that was made, and uh, we got we, we got uh, a, a few breaks in action. But it said, "I could tell by the response from Zach when I answered the phone that I wasn't on the team. I'm super bummed up uh, about it. I thought I put together a really good year with two wins, including a Including in Hartford? Yeah, including in Hartford over an elite field. I'm proud of what I've done. I think JT is a generational talent. I've always been an outsider in this sport, but I have tried to get closer to the guys I thought would be on the team. I feel like moving forward, I'm going to have to automatically qualify for the Ryder Cup, and I am pulling for the U.S. team. So it's a classy statement at the end. He's pulling for the team. Obviously, he's not going to come out and say it if he wasn't anyways, but... Uh, we said yesterday, I thought that that was the one guy that got the biggest shaft was uh, was Keegan. I thought Cam Young was is another player that's played really, really well overseas. Uh, Cam Young also played pretty good in match play. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you don't care. Maybe, maybe it's like uh, maybe golf and the Ryder Cup to you is how we feel about uh, soccer. And by soccer, I mean football. It's, uh, it's just a, it's a sad it's a sad situation all around. Because JT's not played good enough golf to be on this team. But you know what's funny is it wouldn't surprise me if JT went out and, and, and was the best player uh, for the Ryder Cup. However, I uh, don't think he was deserving. And uh, I got I to gotta, I gotta be honest. There's so much pressure on JT that he's not playing good golf. And now this is just more pressure. And maybe I'm overthinking it, but I really do think that JT knows what the deal is here. And JT knows he's got, a, he's got a target on his back. If he doesn't play well... There's going to be there's going to be some uh, some bad things said about him in the media. There's going to be some bad things said about him around uh, whatever you want to call it, the fraternity that is professional golf. Because like it or not, he is uh, he didn't make the decision, but he's kind of the uh, the teacher's pet right now, right? And no one likes a teacher's pet, and that's what JT is. And and you know, hopefully he plays well. But uh, I like I said before, I don't see it. 
maybe the Europeans can find a way to uh, to not play well and doesn't matter, and the, and the Americans can come back home with the victory, the first one they'd have since 1993. But it's sad. Shout out to Keegan. I mean, he's still a millionaire, so it's hard to feel too bad for him. But like you said, Elliot, I mean, these guys are these guys are still human. They still want to be part of. Uh, childhood dreams and teams and, and in fact i, I uh, yesterday i think i led on to believe that he's never made a Ryder cup i do believe he's made a Ryder cup keegan bradley has made a Ryder cup um and if and if he hasn't then he's definitely made a president's cup i'm not sure which i remember him holding a really long putt um in either a Ryder cup and or a president's cup and right now off the top of my head i don't know maybe we can clear that up before the next show who's the who's the greatest uh non-american golfer rory Ever. Oh, ever? Ever. ever. Cuz like the big ones that you think are all are all American, right? Um, Jack, Tiger, probably going to be Arnold. Yeah, but it's probably going to be Gary Player. Is Gary Player not from America? I don't think so. I could be wrong on that. Easy Google. That's why yeah. we got it. Yeah, you can dig that up, see what happens. Uh, here's where we're at. Uh, I believe Elliot, do we have the clips? Do we have the clips clipped up yet or no? The golf match. Yep, it's all on. It's all. It's all saved up. All right. So here's the deal. I am going to uh, work. Uh, not that I don't work hard other days. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to work incredibly hard because this next two days are going to be really, really busy for me with the bash. I really, I really do want to make sure we can get this match out so then we can kind of keep the flow of the the matches going. I don't want to have to play another match per se before we release the next one. So. I am going to do my best to get this thing out as fast as possible. Um, and my goal is to have this thing premiering just as we did last time on Friday. So I uh, will let you know if that's not the case, but I fully expect and fully intend that the uh, golf match number two will be premiering this Friday. Uh, call a buddy, tell a friend. Uh, I think it's going to be entertaining. It's going to be funny. Um, and hopefully you enjoy it. In the meantime, today we're going to end the show a little early. You know why? You know why. Because we can. But before we do that, we have some ads to read. I don't know who's going to read them. Is it going to be Casey or is it going to be me? Yesterday, I screamed at the top of my lungs that the ad reads. <laughs> I don't know if that was good for the brand or bad. But I was passionate about it. Do you um, want another go or do you want me to do it? Casey? I want to see Casey do it. Casey, I think you got it in you. All right. <clears throat> yes. Yes. Let's see it, Casey. The Bengals Report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data center world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work from home computing modules to improve efficiency and productivity. productivity. That's right, guys. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. And let me tell you. about Pawnee water, a new premium alkaline water. And I have to tell you guys, this stuff tastes amazing. It's just water. That's it. There's no additives. There's no preservatives, no artificial pro processing. It uses natural limestone filtration and it's the best healthy alkaline water in the world. You can visit PawneeWater.com. That's P-A. H-H-N-I-Water.com. And you, you too can buy this great tasting water. Casey, 
Get your coffee from UDF. Here we Bet go. on Betfred. 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 And uh, get your drink technology Bonnie solutions. Water. And get your technology solutions at Encore. And real quick before we end, uh, Casey, can we go to the Chatterbox Sports Store real quick? Because there have yes, been some new additions to the store uh, ahead of this, uh, the, the big bashes that are coming to the University of Cincinnati. We have some new merch uh, slowly appearing in, into the Chatterbox Store. Uh, and all, as always, we have the red stuff that we've had all year. It's been phenomenal. What are we doing? You want it? No, I'm good. Thank you. I was just talking and you interrupted. But other than that, that was great. Um, so if you go to the if you go to the store, you, there's some good there's some cool UC stuff in there. I know Mouse Cop will love it. I know the guys in there will love it. Uh, get some UC shirts. If you're still if you're still a fan of the Cincinnati Reds like we all are, go out and buy some more Harambe shirts. Because I'm saying the person who created the Harambe shirt who had that idea, uh, I was told that if it was the best selling shirt, that good things would happen to that guy. And as I, I believe it's close to being in the lead, if not in the lead. So keep buying the Harambe shirt, and whoever would, whoever had that idea could maybe uh, could get something in return. But we'll see. Uh, other than that, God bless, and have a great day. Love that. Uh, I think that the crop top would be a good look for, uh, for, for Reed in the short shorts. <laughs> I definitely do think that's, uh, that's right on the top of the list for Reed Mouse. We'll see if he can get it, get it going. Nonetheless, we'll be back better than ever tomorrow. As always, this has been Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers.